As you know, each Sunday I've been having some of our youth read the scripture for us. And Patrick didn't know it, but he volunteered to do this. (laughs) When I sent the text to his mama and he said, she said, yeah, one of them will do it. So Patrick is going to read. If you have your Bibles, go to Joel 2, verses 28 through 32. While you're looking at that, this young man has sold ribs for the Columbus Athletic Department. And he will be delivering them next Sunday in time for the Super Bowl. He has a beautiful voice. So he will be singing and wearing a tutu while he delivers them. (laughs) I found out last Sunday this was news to him. I just want to know, are you going to be a KU or K-State fan, and do we need to have our own cheer ready when you get to the door? Okay. I don't know. Father, this morning as we come to you, we, we thank you for your spirit that will be poured out. Father, we thank you that your spirit was poured out. Father, we thank you for the promises of your word. Father, for the compassion that we receive from you. The love that we have because of you. And being made worthy through the blood of your son, Jesus. Father, this morning we we ask that not us are heard. Father, your word. Father, that we wouldn't be seen, but the cross of Calvary would be the vision. And Father, this morning, if there's a heart that needs to make a decision, Father, one that needs to come to the fold or back into the fold, Lord, let this be the day and the hour. The Father, that they would call upon the name of the Lord. Father, we just ask now that your presence overwhelm each each and every person. Father, each and every heart would be stirred by your word. Again, not that what I'm saying, but Father, what your word says. And Lord, we are so gratefully, gratefully appreciative of the love that you said you would give us. Father, grant us the opportunity this morning to speak good news to hearts and lives. And Lord, we give you the glory and the honor for it all. In your son's name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You know, sometimes in life there are some things that we just, we can't wait to do. We just cannot wait. I know for, for us right now, we, we, we just can't wait till Thursday night to go watch our, our nine-year-old grandson play basketball. We, we just, I mean, we live to go watch that little fella play ball. He is so intent, he is so focused, and he is just so driven that it is, it is a joy to watch him out on the floor. I look forward to two or three times a week seeing Lisa post pictures of Gracie playing basketball. I 
I look forward to seeing Carrie and Lorna posting pictures of their grandkids. I look forward to hearing Radiant Mashiach's post about things that her, her sons have done or her classroom has done. And many others in here. But I look forward to seeing this. And this week, as I was preparing for this for this sermon this morning, I, I was looking forward to the day. Because there's a good news and a promise that ought to make even Baptists shout when you hear it. Well, they didn't nobody laugh about that. There's just a few of you going, oh, oh, oh. there is a promise in Joel. Yeah, I know it's in the Old Testament, but it's still a promise from God to us in the Old Testament of what was to come. And guess what? It came. And it's still here today. Today, the devil is trying to convince you that you're not worthy. You've gone too far away. You've strayed from the herd so far that the shepherd can't even hear your voice. You've done too many things that are bad. You're in a spot right now that not even God can reach you. The devil is trying to starve you from the grace, from the love, from the peace, from the joy, the hope, the newness, and most of all, the salvation that is rightfully granted to you by God himself. The God that will take away all shame, all the disgrace, all the doubts, all the fears, all those sleepless nights. And all that hunger and all that emptiness. And he'll fill up our cups and our plates till they're overflowing. The God that will repay our souls from all the things that have been taken from you. The things the devil took will be brought back and just not replaced, but they'll be multiplied in your life. Everything that left you unsatisfied will be replaced by a love that satisfies all hearts. It'll dry all tears and it'll lift away all the pressures. And most of all, it'll clean all the dirtiness away from the sins that we've lived in. From an almighty God that will fill up our barren dry land with life-giving water that will never bring back to life. All that which was dead and dying. This past week we had some visitors on Wednesday night and we had a young man come in and and I love Brad's description of him. He Brad came back to me and he said, Hey, there's a guy here and he just found Jesus. And I said, Okay, and Brad went, He's bouncing off the walls. He wants to know and hear everything there is about Jesus. And he come in my office and as we sat there and, and we talked and we discussed and as the tears rolled down his face and his heart was broken and he began to pour out and, and now calm down, but he said some words in my office that wasn't church words. 
but he was honest. And he is expressing what he was feeling. And if you don't think God already knew before he sat down that he had messed his life up, you're wrong. But the fact that he admitted, I have messed it up and I'm living in filth right now. And I heard and I felt God make a change in me. There was something special about it. And you say, well, now, he ought not use some of those words. Do you want me to tape your conversations? I'm going to tell you right now, God has saw some of y'all's Facebook posts. You need a Bible and a dictionary. You can't brag about being lost in sin and then praise God on the next one because using drugs and praising God don't make you a Methodist. (laughs) Dylan, watch the back of your head. God's Son died for you and I. And He knew what we... he, He went to fishermen... The first ones he went to were the fishers of men, or fishermen. And he made fishers of men out of them. Now I'm going to tell you something right now. You can holler, oh, we got to have a King James. That's only King James. That's only King James. If you read exactly what those, uh, the first disciples said in the Greek language, you might be surprised at the language they did use. Even our Lord and Savior, when he said about the bush, if you put dung around it, there ain't but one word for dung, and it's the same word in every language I know. And it ain't a pretty word. We've made it a bad word. So Christ himself knows what's inside the heart, what's inside the mouth. I have a hard time remembering that. I get road rage in the Walmart. You get in front of me and you want to take over the entire aisle to look at a can of tuna fish. It's tuna fish. It's like going to McDonald's and you've got to read the menu. You know what McDonald's has and what you want. Order it and go. But the devil has convinced us that our lives are more important than anybody else's life. And that what we want, what we desire, and what we need is more than what the world needs. And that our time is more valuable than God's time. I talked with a pastor lately who said they started off 2020 by having a special service on Sunday morning at their church. And what they did was they had several church members, a few visitors, him and his wife, and they lined up across the front of the church. And he said what they had planned on a probably 15-minute time frame of people coming around and being prayed over, prayed for, blessed and anointed and sent out to go home 
went from a 15-minute time frame to two and a half hours. They were supposed to be out by man's time at noon. 2.30, the last person was in line. Because the people did not want to leave without being blessed by God for this year. We look at things because we want to see them in our eyes and in our vision. We want it to be done our way. And don't change it. Leave it the way it's always been. Because that's the only way it can be. And what God is telling us here in Joel, in chapter 2, is that he's fixing to shake things up and change things. God is telling us here that he is going to restore us to the original garden relationship. You remember Adam and Eve when God created them and and He placed them in the garden. The Bible said that He came and walked with them in the cool of the day. I don't want you to raise your hands and I don't want you to say, you can say amen, but I don't want you to draw attention to yourself. But when was the last day that you and God walked together every day? When was the last day that you communed with God on a daily basis? To the point that He looked forward to coming to talk to you and you could not wait for Him to get there to talk back and to carry on a conversation with Him. The devil has tricked us into believing that he's sitting up there with a lightning rod in one hand and a whip in the other hand just waiting on us to stumble or trip or step off the mark so he can strike us with one and beat us with the other. That's not what God is wanting to do. That's not what God was willing to do. Mm, getting quiet. Many of us sitting in here this day have only had bad news poured out upon us. We've only had voices that rain down bad stuff. We never have the good news rained on us and freely flow over our lives and our families and all that is ours. We often receive only that which is negative. I cannot remember which one of the great philosophers of our time said that if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it'll think it's retarded. You judge a Christian by their life before they met Jesus. They'll believe they're not worthy of anything. And that's what Satan is trying to do to each and every one of us in this room today. Right now. And Joel, he says that young men and and our sons and our daughters, God is telling us it's not only for us, but it's for our future generations to come. 
And that when our vision has become so clouded and our dreams have become cruelly crushed, God will send a clear vision and a new dream that will bring you back to the fold and restore you. God said he would pour out his spirit on all. On all. Not just a few. And that's what makes this community revival we have such a a blessing to me. And it makes what we do on Wednesdays as pastors as we join together. And when we help and participate in each other's activities, it tells me that we don't have a corner on God's grace. That it's for all. Two years ago, when I first started taking classes over in Baxter, one of the students, after the third or fourth time I was there, sat down and he said, okay, why are you here? And I thought he was referring to my youngness. I mean, I look young. Well, I did. And I said, well, and I started talking to him and, and... He said, I don't care about how old you are. He said, that's great. He said, but why are you here? I sat there for a minute. He said, let me rephrase it. What do you believe? And he said, I've heard Baptist all my life, but I've never, never been around any, so I don't have any clue. What do you believe? And I said, okay, here's the basics of what I believe believe that God created the world and everything therein. Wasn't no Big Bang Theory. They wouldn't know nobody climbed up out of mud and muck and here we are. God created each and every one of us. Adam and Eve sinned, sinned and man fell. Man lived in sin. Man fell short. Broke every covenant that God made with them. God sent his son who lived as a man on this earth. Died on a cross. Buried in a tomb. Rose again on the third day. Sits at the right hand of the father now making intercessions for you and I. And if we believe that, confess it with our mouth. We shall be saved. And the young man sat there and his mouth opened up and he said, that's the same thing we believe. And I went, yes it is. And he said, why have we been told we're different? Why have we been told that we can't get along? Why have we been told that this is not for all of us? It's the plan of the devil. It's Satan trying to keep us apart because he is church. Let me tell you something. He's not afraid of one of us. He's afraid of a multitude of us that are united together to stand against him. And when the church comes together as one, as one body, and we are unified to spread and for-push for out the kingdom of God, that scares the devil. 
And God said, I will pour out my spirit on all your young men, your young girls, the ones that are enslaved, the ones that are imprisoned. And you say, oh, we don't have slavery in this world today. Yes, we do. There are people sitting in this room right now that are enslaved to what Satan has convinced them they are. There are people in your family that are enslaved to sin because Satan told them they're not worthy to have God's grace poured on their life. The young man that sat in my office the other night, he said, I, I, I can't ever, I can't ever make right what I've done wrong. And I said, thank God I can't either, but his son made it right for me. God said here in Joel, I will pour out my spirit on all. All that have been slaves, all that are captive of their past, instead of being sealed in our futures. We have a future that we can be sealed in through the blood of Christ. God will extinguish that light which keeps drawing us away from Him. He will turn us around from an uninviting darkness to an everlasting peace. And he'll turn that temptation of a night filled with excitement to dull and unappealing. Whatever it takes to draw us back to him, he'll do. And he'll do it to the extent that he sent his only begotten son to die for you and I. He died once, a final, everlasting sacrifice that paid the price for our sins. That we have to no longer, or that we can no longer walk in shame. That we can no longer have to run around hiding our face, avoiding other people. We can walk with our heads held high and a newness of life granted by our Heavenly Father through the forgiveness granted by the blood of the Lamb. I had a relative one time of mine, and I, and I love them dearly. And I found out something about them, and I called them, and I said, is there something you need to tell or want to tell me? And their reply is, no, I don't want to tell you, but I probably need to tell you. They were ashamed. They hid from it. They did not want to share it. They avoided the people in their life that loved them and cared about them. And that's where Satan wants us to stay at. Satan wants us to stay in shame and in fear and in doubt. So we're not exposed to the light. Some of y'all are getting a little nervous because this is, I believe, the third or maybe the fourth Sunday that I've talked about the Spirit from the pulpit in a Baptist church. 
But I'm going to tell you something. If it wasn't for God pouring out His Spirit, we wouldn't have the comforter, the peace, and the joy that we are granted by His love. There's nothing wrong with it. If you leave the Spirit out, you've broken the Bible because it said God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And it takes all three to be the three in one. And all three want to be with you. You can say, oh, he don't want to be with me. Yes, he does, because he wants to be with me. If he didn't care what I'd done and he still sent his son, he has no concerns over where you're at right now other than to bring you out of that situation. You can't get too far from him. You can't get too dirty for him. And you can't get too self-righteous for him. He still loves you. He still loves each and every one of us. We have an escape. We have an escape from the sorrow and pain and torture that we place ourselves in every day. And God said it here very clearly in verse number 32. Then, now this is after he has displayed all the wonders in the heavens and the earth. After our young sons and daughters have prophesied and our old men have dreamed dreams and our young ones have seen visions. that he would pour out his spirit on every male and female slave. Every one of us he's done that for. And then he says, then, then, everyone... Now, some of y'all have a problem writing in your Bibles or highlighting or whatever. I understand that. It took me years. As a matter of fact, it didn't start till this year. I was comfortable with writing in or highlighting over. I was taught, you don't do that. And then this year, God said, if you want to remember it, highlight. If you want to remember it, underline. You want to know it, write it down. So whatever you need to do, underline that here. Then everyone, not a select few, not just a certain group, not just a certain denomination or belief, but everyone that calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's the part that we ought to be excited about. That everyone can be saved. It's a solid rock guaranteed promise. There's not a maybe. It could be. Or God sitting there going, I'll have to think about that one. It's God's call for us to repent. It's God's call for you to repent. Yes, even you. Today, you can call on the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. For years, there used to be a movement that you have to come right now. If 
you don't come right now, God's never coming back for you. The only time that that's ever promised in God's Word is when we're called home and His Son returns. After that, we're going to be with Him in glory. But as long as we have breath, as long as God's Son is still sitting in His right hand, and as long as the blood of the Lamb is still applied to sinless, sin-filled life and unbelieving testimonies of faith in another world besides God's kingdom, then if you will turn and call on the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. And Satan will try to convince you, well, you missed your turn. You missed your ride. There's no way you'll ever make it. But Jesus Christ himself told the disciples, I must go away so if when I leave, the Comforter can come. And God poured out his Spirit. And read over in Acts chapter 2 that as the disciples were gathered together and they began to pray and they went to the temple to worship God and they were there worshiping God in a way that others had never seen. They were talking to God, them to God, not them through a priest, not them through something else, but them to God and God's Spirit poured out on them. And they went about preaching the gospel to every corner of the world. And when the Jews rejected it again, God sent them to the Gentiles. God sent them to the Gentiles. Let me say that again. God sent them to the Baptists sitting in southeast Kansas. God sent them to the Methodist setting in Galena. God sent them to the Pentecostal setting in Baxter Springs. God sent them to every nation and every world and every mankind and said, I have poured out my spirit and if today you will call on me, you shall be saved. Yes, you, even you, can be saved. Father, this morning we we thank you for that grace that you poured out upon us. We thank you for that love and that mercy that you gave us. And that, Father, that we could have the opportunity to call on the name of the Lord and you'll save us. Father, you'll save us from ourselves. From ourselves that are too broken. From ourselves that are, Father, believing in the wrong thing. That you'll save us. Father, that you'll take our lives and restore it. Give us hope. Give us joy. Give us peace. And give us comfort. 
Father, all we have to do is call on the name of the Lord. Your Spirit's been poured out. Father, we just have to open up to receive it. Father, this morning, I I pray that if there's anyone here today, Lord, that needs to come and receive that salvation in their heart and their life, that this is the day and the hour, Lord, that they will come and call on you. Father, there would be no doubt, no nothing, no fear, no shame, no guilt when they walk out of here today, Lord. But they will come, Father, and call on your name and accept you as their Lord and Savior. Father, we pray that today in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, we, we thank you that you said for all. And you included each and every one of us in that all. So Father, this morning, soften hearts. Lord, let them feel the, the tugging of the Spirit as they are called to come forward. Father, let them respond. Let them defeat the devil at his own game. Let them defeat the devil that says I'm not, they're not worthy. And they say, I am through the Son. So, Father, this morning, let them come. Let your Spirit overwhelm and overfill this place this morning. Father, we pray that in your Son's holy name. This morning, as we stand and they begin to sing, our altars are open. Whatever it is that you need to do today, if you need to come and and call on the name of the Lord and accept Him as Savior, Maybe you need to come and unite with this church as as where you want to be involved in a body of Christ. Or maybe you just need to come and say, God, thank you for taking away that shame. Whatever it is you need to do this morning, come as they sing.